when I was in school and uh, I had a teacher, it was usually the hardest teacher that I learned the most from. And so uh, when I drag you through a hard book of the Bible, it's because I want you to see some things. And we may not learn everything that we need to know. I may not learn everything that, you, that, that I need to know. You may not learn everything. You need, but hopefully we'll learn something. Hopefully we're learning. Hopefully the Lord is, is teaching us. If nothing else, maybe the Lord is, is putting in you a passion to understand this book. Uh, a passion maybe later to teach it in your own life and uh, to teach it under his leadership and under his lordship. This morning we're going to be in the 15th chapter of the book of Revelation. We'll read it in just a moment. Uh, I've told you that I'm not trying to lay this out as a book that happens of things that happen in a consecutive order, one right after another, but rather to show you that it's a series of layers, that you have one picture laid on top of another, and each time you get a little bit more information. Uh, and so we're seeing one big, beautiful picture. This whole book is a, is a beautiful picture that uh, I'm, I'm trying to lay out for you. The general theme of this book is the same throughout. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last days will be a church in trouble. The devil who has, from the beginning of time, constantly sought to devour the people of God and the purpose of God in the last days will intensify his efforts to do that very thing. But God's people will be sealed. They'll be safe, but not sealed from sickness or not sealed from sorrow or not sealed from suffering or even sealed from death. But we are sealed from the wrath of God and we are marked as belonging to him. That's one of the things that's very important. And that's what we saw last week in chapter 14 was a group of people who bore God's mark, who carried God's name. They were the redeemed of the earth. They belonged to him. But on the other hand, in chapter 13, we see another group of people entirely, and that group of people bears another mark. They are marked as basically belonging to the devil. They are marked as belonging to the beast, who is the devil's uh, in the incarnation of the devil on earth, just as Jesus Christ was the incarnation of God on earth, this powerful figure of the last day will come with Satan's power, with all the deception of wickedness for those who refuse to believe the gospel. The Bible tells us supernatural powers, really, and will deceive the whole earth. The whole earth will follow him. And so this is the period of time that we're headed into, a time when uh, the persecution of the church, the persecution of God's people will be severe. Now let me give you an assurance that Jesus gave his disciples from the Gospel of Luke. An assurance and a warning that uses basically the same terminology. First, the assurance from Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and, six and 7. Jesus said, are not, two are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear. You are worth more than many sparrows. That's an encouraging passage of Scripture. Jesus takes that same thought in Luke chapter 21, verses 16 through 18, and, and gives them this warning, but also this assurance. But and he's talking about the last days. And he says to his people, you 
will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death and you will be hated by all because of my name yet not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance you will gain your lives did you notice the inconsistency in what Jesus said there he said on the one hand uh, they will put some of you to death, and on the other hand, not a hair of your head will perish. And then he calls for the endurance, the same endurance that's called for in the book of Revelation. In other words, those who belong to the Lord are going to be okay. Those who put their hope in the Lord are going to be okay. In chapter 14, we saw that great host of people standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion. They have his name on their foreheads. They follow him. They are the redeemed from the earth. But chapter 14 ends with a dreadful picture of judgment, of the wrath of God and, and the winepress of God's wrath being trodden and the blood flowing out from the winepress for 200 miles, four feet deep. It's a terrible, terrible picture. Uh, John's about to tell us now when we get to chapter 15 about a series of judgments, another series of judgments that's going to unfold and be poured out on the earth in the last days. But just before he does, there's another pause in the story because before he tells us about these dreadful judgments that are going to fall, he wants to show us the security of God's people in the last days. And so we pick up in chapter 15, we read verse 1 and then through verse 8. It's the shortest chapter in the book of Revelation. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those, also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass, with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chest. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. There are six S's in that chapter. I started to outline it in this way. Let me see if I can remember them. You see a sign, you see a sea, you see the saints, you see a, a sanctuary. <clears throat> I'm going to miss one. And you see the Shekinah glory of God in this passage of scripture. There's one more and I'll get to it in a minute. But first, we want to look at the sign of things to come. It's found in verse 1. You'll notice that John sees angels, seven angels. 
He's seen so many sevens. By the way, this book itself is outlined in seven sections. Some see there are seven blessings in this book that are pronounced. And you can find them scattered throughout. Uh, but there's something about this sign that John describes as different from the others that he's seen. He said this one is great and marvelous. The word marvelous or amazing, depending on what your Bible has to say, uh, is, is the word marvelous Amazing means it's a word that includes a sense of terror about it. That can't be pictured. In English, we don't really have a, a word for that, but maybe we can picture that uh, with, a, with a scene out of your mind, uh, out of one of the recent movies out of our, our history, the, the first test of the atomic bomb. When the first atomic bomb was tested, it was strikingly amazing, wasn't it? those that saw it, but at the same time, it was absolutely dreadful what they saw. And so that's the sense. John is filled with a sense of amazing dread as he sees what is about to happen. God's wrath is about to be poured out on the earth in and in, in a series of in time judgments. Now there's a difference between end time judgments. Now we're in the last days, of course, but this is not the judgments of the end. Those are worse than these. These are the last judgments to be poured out on living men this side of eternity. Understand this. The wrath of God poured out on people who live on the earth while they're living before they step into eternity. These are end time judgments in the last days and they'll be poured out by these angels. This is what is pictured here. And by the way, the word plagues uh, comes from a word that the first meaning is stripes or wounds. Stripes or wounds that might be inflicted through discipline of some sort. And that's the picture you have here. It also means a heavy calamity or affliction poured out on someone. This is going to come from God on people who dwell on the earth, who not put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. So this is the picture that John shows, this, this impending judgment that's about to fall, seven of them about to fall on the earth. But before he says anything about it, and he really doesn't say anything about it at all in this chapter, he says it for chapter 16. Instead, he shows us God's people, a certain group of God's people, and where they are. So the second thing that we want to see is the state of the saints in the last days. This is number two. And their battle with the beast. Look at verse two. I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside. Now your Bible may say on, standing beside or on the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. Now please look carefully at this group John sees. You remember in chapter 14 he said, I saw 144,000. He doesn't give us a number here. He just said, I saw those. So uh, is this a portion of that group? That Well, whatever this group is, one of the things that we can say is that this group has crossed that sea, or they are crossing that sea. They are on the sea. They are safe. Uh, now, perhaps your eyes haven't been opened yet to what I've been trying to show you uh, 
uh, is going to come in the last days. But in the last days, the church, God's people, the saints, God's servants, whoever you want to identify them, are going to be engaged in a terrible conflict with this character called the beast. Uh, John calls him, in his first John, he calls him the Antichrist. Paul calls him the man of lawlessness or the man of sin or the son of perdition. And so he's an evil personage who arises in the last days, Satan's representative on earth. He has Satan's power. He shares Satan's hatred for God's people. And what has this book told us so far about the saints and the conf their conflict with the beast? Look in chapter 13, verse 7. There we learn that the beast will be allowed, permitted, he'll have permission from God, from under God's sovereignty, to make war on the saints and to conquer them. That's in Revelation chapter 13, verse 7. We go back to chapter 11, verse 7, and there we see two witnesses, also called two lampstands, and we read that the beast will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And yet in spite of that, we see the picture here of those who have conquered the beast in chapter 15. Those who are on the sea or by the sea are those who've conquered the beast. How can it be that they conquer the beast when at the same time the beast has been given permission to conquer them? What is the secret of conquering the beast in the last days? Well, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says clearly, they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives until death. Uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 10, we were given this warning, you remember, uh, as we heard, as we heard seven times in the first three chapters, if anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. And then in chapter 14, we heard the same thing. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Remember what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke when he said, some of you will be hated by your parents, betrayed by your parents, by your friends, by your relatives, and they will put some of you to death. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Here's a call for endurance. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their deeds follow them. Conquering the beast means being faithful until death. It is not bowing to his image. It is refusing to worship him or the dragon. It is following the lamb wherever he goes and whatever that means. Those who conquer the beast are those who upon the, the pain of death in the face of the threat of death, remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I read this, I think about, you know, people who make commitments. Oh, I'll be faithful no matter what, like Peter did. Peter said, Lord, I'm willing to die with you. And Jesus said, really? Are you really? Uh, Jesus knew, he knew, he knows me, he knows you. 
This requires an extreme amount of faithfulness. Even the devil knows that. The devil knows how prone we are to be faithful. Do you remember the conversation that the devil had with God when he was considering Job? The Lord said, consider my servant Job. Here is a good, faithful guy. He's willing to serve me no matter what. And uh, the devil said, you really think so? You really think he'll serve you no matter what under any circumstances? And then the devil said, let me tell you something, God. I know something about these people that you may not know. Skin for skin, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. In other words, if a man is pressed and if it's going to touch him personally, if it's going to hurt him, if it's going to inflict the pain of death on him, he'll do anything to escape. And so in the last days, we see that some will be asked to bow to the beast or to his image or to take the number of his name. And the Bible said that those who don't will be slain, but those who refuse are those who conquer the beast. Where are they and what does this picture reveal? Second, third, we need to consider the security of the saints who conquer the beast. We're going to talk about now where they are. Again, look at verse 2. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who had conquered the beast in its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea or on the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. Now, uh, First, whatever this sea is, they've crossed it, or they're crossing it. They didn't sink, they didn't stop, though it appears calm now. It's not always calm because it's mingled with fire. They pass through incredible difficulty to get there. How do we know they pass through difficulty, and how bad was that difficulty? Well, they're identified in this chapter, this verse, this very verse, if you'll notice, as those who had noticed what it says, they conquered the beast, they not only conquered the beast, also its image and the number of its name. Remember, we're told in chapter 13, verse 15, that there's a second beast who will cause those who do not worship the image of the first beast or take the number of his name to be slain. And everyone who does not take it will be slain. So these people have suffered the pain of death. They conquered the beast by suffering the pain of death. And, and they're safe. They, they're on the sea, walking on it, or they're standing beside it. They've crossed it. Just as Pharaoh pursued the people of God through the waters of the Red Sea in the Old Testament, so the beast will pursue the church, the servants of God, the saints, through the sea of suffering. Now, what's our clue that that's what he's talking about? Our clue's in the song they sang. The song they sang is the song of Moses. The song of Moses is found in the 15th chapter of the book of Exodus, immediately after the children of Israel have crossed the Red Sea. Moses wrote it, Miriam led it, and they all sang it. Here, I'm going to show you how it begins, but I'm especially interested in how it ends. Here's the beginning of the song from Exodus 15. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. They're, they're rejoicing in their deliverance. That's what these saints in Scripture are doing. They're rejoicing in the fact that they've been delivered. But the last 
the, the last verse of the song. Listen to it. This is what it says. Speaking about God. You will bring them in and plant them on your mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. It's a great hallelujah chorus that sounds like it belongs in the New Testament book of Revelation. And in fact it does because they're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. So now we come to this victorious song of the saints. You see it there in verses, the rest of verse 2 through verse 4. We'll not read it, but this is the song of deliverance. Their struggle is over. They resisted the beast. They didn't bow to the dragon. They didn't take the mark of the beast. They are saved and they're safe. Did you know that we sing a song based on this very chapter in the Bible? We probably sing more than this one, but this is the one that came to my mind immediately of these saints standing on or beside the sea of glass. Let me read you the words of this song and see if you haven't heard it. Think of them singing it. Think of them singing a song like this because the person that wrote this song was thinking of this passage of Scripture when they wrote it. Singing a song of deliverance. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. How he left his home in glory for the cross of Calvary. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray, threw his loving arms around me, drew me back into his way. I was bruised, but Jesus healed me. Faint was I from many a fall. Sight was gone, and fears possessed me, but he freed me from them all. Days of darkness still come o'er me. Sorrow's path I often tread, but his presence still is with me. By his guiding hand I'm led. Soon he'll come, the Lord of glory, come the church his bride to claim and complete the wondrous story. Come, Lord Jesus, come again. He will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. Then he'll bear me safely over where the loved ones I shall meet. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. That's what they're singing about. This is the song of deliverance. This is the song of saints in heaven who are safe at last. They pass through the terrible struggle of the last days, remaining faithful to the Lord Jesus. Will you? Will you be faithful to the Lord Jesus upon pain of death, upon the threat of death, would you be faithful to the Lord Jesus if somebody said to you, and you know, we see historical examples of it in Scripture. You go back to the book of Daniel. What do you find Daniel? Uh, Daniel was told not to pray. He kept on praying. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were told to bow, and they didn't bow. They'd rather burn than bow. That's the kind of commitment that we're talking about here in the book of Revelation does God lead through such struggles? Will he help us through such struggles? Well, we often sing another song. Let me just pick up in the middle of this song. Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley in the darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Through sor Though sorrows befall us and Satan oppose, 
God leads his dear children along. Through grace we can conquer, defeat all our foes. God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow. But God gives a song in the night seasons and all the day long. These are the saints who victoriously conquered the beast in the last days by being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are delivered. They are safe. They are saved. Now God's about to pour out His judgment on the kingdom of the beast, on all who dwell on the earth, who've bowed their knee and, 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 and bent in worship to Him and have never trusted Jesus as their Savior. That judgment, in terrible, in time judgments are going to fall on the people who dwell on the earth on this side of eternity. And then on the other side, it is worse. The most important thing to know, however, is have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you bowed your knee to Him? Can you sing this song of deliverance now, today, before you meet any kind of temptation to forsake Him? Now, one of the promises that we have in the Bible is that God will never leave us or forsake us. Whoever believes in Jesus will never be disappointed. We pray that God would give us grace to stand if we should meet such days. We can't claim how we would, li how we would respond in such circumstances, but we, could, we, would, we would hope that as God gave saints in the past the ability to face great trials, that He would also give us the ability and the strength to stand, knowing always whatever happens, whatever comes, whether it's sickness or suffering, or sorrow, or even death, that we are more valuable to Him than many sparrows, and that not one sparrow falls to the ground, but that your Father in heaven knoweth. God knows the journey of His people. He knows my journey. He knows your journey. He knows what I'm going to face tomorrow. And he's going to, he knows what I'm going to face in the far distant future. And wherever I am and whatever I need at the moment, he will be with me to provide strength for my journey. Are you following Jesus? Do you need to follow Jesus today? Do you need to make a commitment to him to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want to belong to you. I certainly don't want to belong to the devil. Let's pray.